Well, uh, let's get started. We got a weird week this week. Thanks all for joining on Twitter and, of course, listening on uh, your favorite podcast tunes. I know there are a lot out there. So, uh, last week, we always start off this show with a kind of a question that I like to ask Drew. It can range from how worried are you about a golfer playing bad or playing good. And I got a, I got a question about the types of winners we're seeing throughout the start of the season. And I had a philosophy coming into the season that this whole live kind of breakup would cause the better players to get better. Whether it just be because they have just a little bit of animosity or there's more eyes on them, so they're wanting to perform at their best every time. I mean, we're seeing Roy McIlroy win every time. We've seen on the PGA Tour, we're four events in, and basically I would say the chalk has won every single week. Max Homa was 20 or 30 to 1, but still in the top 5 or 10 uh, of the odds favorites going into the week. So do you think that trend continues throughout the rest of the season? Are we going to see any triple-digit winners this year? I don't think so. Um, maybe maybe you get something weird at one of the uh, weaker field events, but um, for the most part, yeah, it does seem like the long shots are closer to the 50 to 1. I think Pat's mentioned that on his show a few times, and it does seem like people are – the better players have – kind of separating themselves and that's really where the chalk's going to hit every week. And, uh, the long shots are just, they can't contend. Um, like last, I mean, Sunday, I, I would have assumed, you know, I think the betting market was agreeing with me that Ron was going to beat Ryder. Yep. Even having a three or four shot lead. Yep. Um, but there's plenty of other guys. Hideki made a run. Fina was close. Um, and ultimately Homo won. So it's just, the field is so deep at the top level. And, uh, it's just really hard for those long shots to have a chance when the field is that strong. This week might be different. Maybe we get one of those guys that come in like a Ted Potter at 500 to one or something. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, only, there's only like what four guys that are really like strong favorites. And last week, I feel like even if you were 20 or 30 to one, you're still one of the top. I mean, you're still a very strong favorite Yeah, um, against the rest of the field, I should say. So yes, to your point, uh it's it's really hard to see a uh you know th three digit winner at some point this year yeah so it seems like you're pretty worried about that um as yes. as as i am uh we all of course love to find that long shot but i will say with betting markets opening up uh you know except for the state that you and i live in at least to our full capacity uh there is plenty of ways to bet on these golfers this week i know FanDuel is offering uh some make the cut parlays which I'll get into one of my favorites when we, when we give out those bets in just a little bit. So a couple of other things from last week. Obviously, we know pressure golf is very different, uh, especially when you're playing with the hottest golfer in the world and Sam Ryder. Feel for him, but still a huge finish for him. And I want to go uh, biggest statistical standouts. I'm going to list off a couple of guys that were over 50% positive in both their approach shots and their off the tee shots. So pretty good form ball striking, uh, at least last week. You tell me any names that stuck out to you. All of these names are playing this week. I just want to make that clear. So Justin Rose, yeah. Robbie Shelton, S.H. Kim, Tom Dietrich, Ryan Palmer, Joe Bramlett, Alex Smalley, Austin Cook, and Satoshi Kadaira. Those last two uh, pretty deep down the board this week. So the S.H. Kim stood out to me because I've been trying to watch some of these guys, the rookies that are you know showing some consistency. Kevin U. I like quite a bit. I've been playing him a lot. Um, but S.H. Kim – is during the fall swing or the end of last year was really it seemed to be excelling on the greens and it seems like so far this year he has started to pick up a little bit uh, with his iron so i think he's really interesting he finished t20 last week uh, in a pretty strong field and again this is a golf course where um 
I mean, you can't really overpower it. But if his putting is good, that's that's a big <laughs> that can definitely help. And we've seen Jordan Spieth kind of do the same thing here. Uh, I'm not sure I can categorize them the same um, in respect to you, but I do think that there's a element of you know there's there's less demand off the tee um, in terms of accuracy because you don't have to hit drivers as much. And the putting and short game really comes in. And he's typically pretty strong putter, and his short game is actually above average. So I think SH Kim is the guy I've been watching the most. Yeah, I think that's a, a really unique name to, to keep a look at. He's starting to gain a little bit of steam, but still it's not going to approach the 15 or 20%. I can't imagine. Maybe in a field this week he will on the DFS side. But certainly in the betting markets, looking at those, you know, adding him into the make-the-cut parlays or even starting at top 20 for him, I think he's trending in the right direction. Name that stuck out to me is Robbie Shelton, his second go-around on the PGA Tour. Obviously, first time he was just outside in the top 150, I believe. Had to go back to the Corn Ferry Tour, ended up making it back, and has looked good. Two top 10s, you know, RSM Classic put up one, American Express a couple weeks ago. And again, he's a guy that the ball striking looks pretty good. I think he's pretty comfortable this time around. So don't know if you had any thoughts on Shelton. Obviously, when he came out of college, he, uh, he had some pretty big accolades. He did. He was one of those guys. He kind of had the uh, Patrick Rogers aura coming out of college, where mm -hmm. he was supposed to be a campus kid. And yep, um, it's too soon to tell if if he will ever be like a uh, a smiley. But um, yeah, he's he's definitely a guy that I looked at last week. I thought from a distance standpoint, he would fit the category. Uh, but yeah, he he just has too many inconsistencies. He's been up and down. So um, yeah, what do you make like like last week? 74, 75, 76 at, at Torrey South. Obviously, none of these courses are Tory South this week, but still right. a little concerning. Just from a ball striking standpoint, I mean, like off the tee and approach, like that, it's like you'd like to see, and again, they, you're kind of nitpicking on against like the top tier guys, but like generally you'd like to see some consistency off the tee and approach, not yep. necessarily losing off the tee and then gaining an absurd amount in approach. It's never like a good thing. So that's my, that would be my only issue is he has not shown me the consistent consistency that I would want to see, but he's, he's got the upside. And again, this field is so weak compared to last week, and even the last couple of weeks. Yeah. It's, um, it's a different ball game. Totally agree. Uh, he does. It's weak, weak part of his game is off the tee right now. But if he gets, you know, course like these where maybe, you know, at Pebble, you certainly don't hit driver quite as much, but that could hurt him as well. Tom Dietrich continues to just play solid golf here on the PGA tour. A nice transition for him over from the European tour. We know he's got talent. We've watched him for a couple of years. Basically made every cut. I mean, he, he put up the second at the Bermuda. Is this a course rotation uh, for him that you like, or do you think the price is getting too expensive? I don't mind him in, at the price. Um, I'm not sure if it's the best course fit for him, but I, at the same point, I think Hovland also sets up well here. <laughs> so yep. it's it's not really a distance thing. It's really tough to gauge on these really – like. I think Pebble um, and Spyglass are really unique. Like Monterey is a little bit different because the green sides are so big. But yep. um, the the Pebble and stuff they they just don't have they just can't really overpower it. And how that translates down to hitting you know less club off the tee to get to where like a Kevin Kisner would hit it as an example, um, it it does pose an advantage. So I don't think the price is an issue. Uh, I've been playing him the last couple of weeks. He is playing what three weeks in a row now. Um, I think that I think it's very interesting because like Dean Burmester is a little bit cheaper and he was really popular last week and I don't know if people will go back to him. Uh, he just hasn't shown a ton of pop. So 
I think Dean Burmaster is an interesting one down there that um, this golf course could set up well for. For sure. And I've got a couple of other names, which we will get to throughout the thing. But let's just cover the AT&T really quickly just for the setup. I know most people probably know it, but we'll let you know anyway. I'm going to start off at Monterey Peninsula only because – so it's a three courses, 54 hole cut. Uh, it's a pro-am, so they're going to play in twosomes. Long rounds, laser only at Pebble Beach, so we're only going to have strokes gained for one of the three courses. Course rotation I'm going to go over is uh, the main one, which most of the better players are playing on this week. Uh, so you start at Monterey Peninsula, you go to Spyglass, and then you end at Pebble. And, of course, you play – everyone plays Sunday at Pebble. Uh, Monterey Peninsula and Pebble are probably the easiest of the two. Spyglass Hill could play maybe over par, but likely not for this wave, Drew. Um, between Peninsula and Pebble, which one are you going to focus on for your showdown lineups? And, it, and again, it probably is more wave-oriented because obviously the better players that I just mentioned yeah. are starting at Monterey, and that's likely where the scoring average goes each day. That's exactly right, yeah. So you got to watch out for that because you'll see scoring average trends on each course, but you'll look at the, the strength of the field essentially on that day yep. um, can be drastically different. So I think I think Monterey is definitely the easiest golf course. It's just less – there's less penalties um, into the greens. Yep. But Pebble is, is certainly scorable. Um, With no wind and all that stuff. Yep. Right. So, yeah, I would look to the top guys. I don't really care so much which course they're playing. And then for the cheap guys, I definitely want to focus on the Monterey Peninsula side. It's just there's less room for error. Um, or I should say more room for error. There's less room for, like, a complete debacle. Um, that's that's kind of the way that I would view it is kind of in two tiers. Where's the top guys playing? I want to play them kind of regardless of where, they are, where they're at. And then the cheap guys, I want to focus around Monterey. Yep, I think it's a great plan. Uh, might as well. Looks like we're probably going to get somewhere in the mid-teens to upper-teens in terms of the winner. Uh, it will obviously be an under-par cut with it being it's, three it's days. It's super yeah. interesting because, like, Monterey is almost double. It's not quite, but it's close to double the green size that, like, Pebble would be. Which is crazy. Which is funny. <laughs> what, yeah, which is nice from a, from a ball striking standpoint. But what's funny is, like, they also projected, I don't, I don't know how it's going to actually play, but they typically have the Monterey greens running like two feet faster on the centimeter, which is to me is a, a huge difference, especially yeah. on a day-to-day -day change. Sure so, um, I mean, you're going to have, you know, some longer putts and they're going to be rolling two feet faster on average. And then they go to pebble and uh, the greens are super small. So you're going to have shorter putts, but it's a lot slower. So it's really, I've never paid attention to it, but I'm curious how the make rates change for, for like these guys. Going yeah, from one to the other. They play Monterey, and then they go play Spyglass. The Spyglass was set up similar to Pebble Island. So uh, just from a playing aspect, I thought that was really interesting. Um, I'm sure most of the, the listeners can probably imagine when they've gone to play like a public course where the greens is super slow, and then a private course where they're fast, it's <laughs> tough to adjust sometimes. Yeah. And these guys are, I mean, two feet's a pretty big difference. Um, hey, it was tough for me to adjust from Saturday to Sunday uh, in my tournament this past weekend. They yeah. double cut and rolled them for – for the Sunday, and I just got you know demolished when I was above hole. Uh, now, are these guys better than me? Well, certainly would hope so in that regard. You know, maybe I can match Luke List in a putting competition, but that might be it on the PGA <laughs> Tour. Um, although he would probably end up beating me uh, when it comes down to it. And, in any he case, sucks. he's probably a lot better in real life. Than you think. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. He's putting on these PGA Tour greens, which yeah. are probably faster than what I was on this weekend. So. Um, uh, funny enough. So let's just dive a little bit deeper into Pebble. I know it's uh, I know it's only two of the rounds, but we know 
a pretty good amount. There's a there's a tournament here every year. There's obviously the U.S. Open every now and again as well. We're going to get a ton of shots from 125 and under. We know it's a short course. And we're also going to get on the par fives, we're going to get two to 250. Uh, about 50% of the approach shots will come from those 50-yard buckets per se. So I would say like mid to short irons, you know, the six to nine irons are almost irrelevant this week. Or I won't say irrelevant, but they're way below the statistical average. Yeah, it's again, it's a very, it's a very short, very short golf course um, from today's um, standards. Um, I think an interesting stat, just kind of counting the EAP model really quick, is yeah. so our all of our numbers, most of our numbers, besides like scrambling and a few others, are all weighted to the field um, for historical purposes. And one thing that I love using this week that I don't typically use is driving accuracy, and it's weighted to the actual event. So. For example, um, like Kapalua, where driving accuracy is at like 80% or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I might you know, be able to hit those fairways. Right? <laughs> right, so like if you miss one fairway, you're, you're pretty much negative to the field. Yep. Um, and if you know you hit 100%, you're really not gaining as much on the field as you would if you hit 100% here. So I'm looking at weighted driving accuracy quite a bit this week because it is relative to the courses that they've played. Hand-in-hand um, uh, hand with greens and regulation. Greens and regulation is probably my favorite stat for, for this type of event. But you're right on terms of proximity. Um, all the shots are going to be, you know, short irons and wedges. I mean, not even short irons, just wedges. So I think that's important to look at. But I do want to kind of emphasize that I think the weighted driving accuracy is an interesting stat that not many people will look at. And again, it, it does weigh it to, you know, if the guys are hitting at 270 off the tee laying up or 250 off the tee laying up, how often are they hitting the fairway more than the, than the field? So this is perfect example for that type of golf course where just a raw driving accuracy number will not help you. Really simple way to find this uh, stuff. Uh, it's part of our uh, Fantasy Golf Bag Premium membership, and it's in the FGB mixed model. You'll see it right there, T to green with data right underneath. You'll have your four different uh, weighted elements. And Drew, this week, as you just mentioned, he's about 5% on the weighted driving accuracy and 15% on the greens and regulation uh, for his model. So really, really good stuff. To, I've updated that to 10% oh. driving accuracy and 20% green regulation just since this morning there just you go. to get a better look. So you can, like I said, you can tinker around with it, yep. um, but it is weighted. So that's what the W stands for there, Jason. Weighted. Weighted. Yeah. Yep. Not with. Um, sorry. But yeah, I'm it's, an idiot. it's just a huge, it's a huge difference between just getting, oh yeah, he hit 70% of the fairways. Well, yeah, but did he hit 70% at Capaloo? That's not good. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and and the nice part is, is when you do change these, these weightings up at the top and in that column B, which you, you'll be able to see it when you pull it up. Uh, it will give you a new model rank. So really, really cool, really unique feature. Great way to look at the data. You can also look at the putting data, which is on the other side as well. Um, just some really good stuff. Okay, so let's now take that yardage bucket that I just uh, you know described that is important. Uh, then also you can give me some names on the driving accuracy part as well. A um, couple of names that I had stand out. Webb Simpson, what are we going to do with this guy? Let's just start with him for a couple minutes. Oh. It's, it's definitely a better golf course fit than last week. Um, let's see. So he doesn't rate out terribly well. He's pretty much below average in most of the approach stuff. Approach stuff. Yep. And he's slightly above on our spectrum data, which is a good sign. So, right. That's kind of um, where I found him. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, I weighted um, range and regulation and that driving accuracy number pretty high. He's basically even with the field averages he's played against. 
So he's okay. I think at the price, he's playable. If he was any more expensive, it wouldn't be a play. Yeah. But yeah, I think, I, I do think this is a better golf course that, um, again, you can't overpower it necessarily. Let me put it to you this way. When I look at Justin Rose's salary of 9500 and one of the top 10 favorites in the field, if you were going to tell me a year ago that Rose was going to be 9500 and Simpson was going to be 7700 going total opposite ways, I would have never believed you, but here we are. Yeah. I bet their um, the strokes game total charges by inverse. Like it was both like separating, you know, yep. was going down, Webb was going up, and then it's completely switched trajectories. So, yeah, I – it's it's a, it's very weird to see some of these guys making a move. And like Jason Day last week, we talked about him on the show. Jason yep. Day was going to be pretty popular, and it's like, yeah, it made sense to chase it at that point for the golf course history he had, and he played great. He did. He really did. So I don't know if I can expect the same for Justin Rose, but it is a little bit of like, like you're scratching your head. What's what's changed in the last year? Is this back to his 2010 days, 2015 days, or? It's just a little blip. A little blip along a, a longer-term path of decline, yeah. Exactly. Um, so it's interesting. Russell Knox, he's kind of had a good start to the season. Statistically speaking, on the approach side, strokes gained approach. He's one of the best from this yardage buckets that I pulled out from our spectrum data. One of the best. Uh, are you just firing him up in, in all places you can this week? I do like Russell Knox a lot this week. Um, a big reason for his you know, good approach numbers is his lack of off-the-tee numbers. So it kind of goes hand in hand. If you're decent with your irons from a longer distance, you're going to be looking better from a, uh, a total strokes gained approach perspective. Yep. But yeah, I, I think I've played him here every single year. Um, his green regulation number is really high. It's 5% over the field, which for $7,500 is pretty cheap. Yep. That's kind of what I was driving looking at. number is also good. He's just, he's just not very long. And again, it's not important here. I mean, this golf course, uh, kind of blanket approach here, but like Pebble is just six to nine hundred yards or something. Yeah. Yeah. Playable. Yep. Um it's just Spyglass is a tough golf course. Yeah. Comparatively Spyglass is, is much Spy tougher. Spyglass is yeah. tough. Yep. Yeah, but they're only gonna see it once. So yep. again you can only you can you, you can't really slice it too many different ways or you're just gonna be all over the place. So I'm just trying to focus a little bit more on Pebble. And I do think Pebble has some carryover to to Spyglass to some regard. <clears throat> yeah, um I do as well. Uh, Tom Hoagie up at the top. I mean, this is obviously at this point is almost becoming an obvious play as defending champion playing well. Everything looks good. You have any reservations playing him at 10K though? I mean, he was nine nine a couple oh, weeks yeah. ago, and yeah, I know that's <laughs> yeah, the thing. Tom Hoagie, 10K. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna. The guy's been playing great, but when you look at Matt Fitzpatrick and Holland right above him, it's, it's probably speaks for you. But like Fitz and, and Holland are just a little bit of a tier, maybe two tiers above Hoagie, and Hoagie's playing great right now, so maybe. Maybe at this point in time, it's not the same discrepancy. But, I mean, if you look through the board, like, we have some weighted stats for, like, how often is he hitting approaches inside of 18 feet or 12 feet. And he's way above. It's so goes. good. It's, he it's looks so like good. one of the best iron players in yeah, the world right now. <laughs> and it's tough to bet him because he's going to be short odds. But, yep. yeah, I think, I think in GPPs, that's probably a really good play because he does grade out extremely well in our model. And with Fitzpatrick and Holland right above him, not many people. And I've heard a lot of chatter about power which we could talk about, which is kind of some funny stats I've heard. Yeah. But um, Tom Hoagie, I think, is actually a really interesting play. Um, I don't have the ownership pulled up for our site at the moment. I can pull it up, but I'm sure he's probably like half the ownership, if not less, than Fitz. Yeah, I definitely agree there. Um, what do you do with a situation like Joel Damon, who grades out one of the best in the, in the, in the models, uh, looks good from the statistical categories that he'd need to, uh, new dad hasn't played this year, taking some time off to try to adjust to that. And 
you and I both know firsthand that that's not the easiest thing sometimes. But uh, nonetheless, he's here to play golf this week. What do you make of Joel Damon? He is getting a lot of steam, though, uh, around the industry. So, yeah, so a lot of the data. So I don't know how many rounds pulled into the five team. Let's see. I think I see like 15. Uh, no, sorry, 17 laser rounds. Yeah, for 10 team. Um, yeah, for 10 tournament. A yep. bit shorter term. Yeah. So – uh, the only reason I brought that up is most of the good data is from like the um, the fall oh, swing, which yeah. has been over two months now, uh, almost three months because we're in February. Yep. Um, I'm not as interested to jump right back on to Damon, and it's for two reasons. One is, yes, he played great in the fall, but we haven't seen him in a couple months, and there's other guys around him that we've seen I can at least feel like I trust a little bit more. But he also doesn't putt particularly well in polo, which uh, of all this, of all the services, I think we brought this up last week or the week before. Uh, Poe is the one that I think um, guys, I mean, Bermuda for sure, but I think Poe is another one that guys tend to putt well on better than the rest. And he does not generally play great on Poe courses. So he has a few good finishes here. He had a T6 here last year, T14 yep. in 2020, but he has a mixed bag of missed putts here too. So, um, and just poor finishes. So I'm not, I'm not too eager to jump on the Damon, especially if he's going to be a little bit more popular due to his false swing events. So one of the guys that I would say uh, needed to add a little bit of distance off the tee, uh, if I had a top five of guys, uh, Brendan Todd would probably be number one. But funny enough, he actually has. He did that speed training, and they've talked about it. We know how good of a putter he is. Statistically, approaches look okay from here. Is he somebody you want to jump into in these weak fields? Uh, We've seen him do pretty good in the past in them. I don't mind him on this type of golf course. Um, he's, again, he doesn't have great course history necessarily and doesn't have great recent form, um, but he does grade out well with certain stats that we do track. Um, so it's like a buy low candidate, I would say. Yep. So, yeah, I don't have too much on him besides, like, the numbers show he's kind of – he's showing some signs of uh, exceeding his expectation of his price. So I think he's fine. Yeah, I think I think that's a good description. Eric Van Ruyen is a hundred more dollars than him and grades out at least a lot better in the both five and ten. And he has had a, a really good start to the season, has gotten himself mixed up in a little bit of uh Twitter fun as well there. So obviously uh I, I would seem to suggest that uh that would lead yeah, to like, like for context, um like Brendan Todd, so like I just told you, I, I bumped up the driving accuracy, which is weighted, yep, and the reason regulation, which is also weighted. So it's not like these huge greens. Again, Capital is a great example. He's hitting almost 10% more fairways in the field weighted, and he's hit 3% over the field of greens and regulation. So, like, his basic stats for just playing good golf are really good. He's just not very long off the tee. He's 15 yep. yards shorter than the average um, PGA Tour player, <laughs> which is terrible. So, I, again, I don't think that's a problem with this golf course. Yeah. Everything else points to he's trending right, and our spectrum data kind of takes out the outliers, which is also a good thing to look at. <clears throat> uh, right around that same price area as well. Uh, guy that seems like he was close and now is regressing. I'm a fan of his. Does have a good start here. I don't think it was on the PGA Tour, though. I, I don't. I didn't look into what it was, but I'm talking about Will Gordon. He's coming in at 7,600. Guy that I think you and I both like his talent, but certainly seems to be in a little bit of a lull. Would you rather just go down to some of the other guys we've talked about, like SH Cam Russell Knox, or are you going to buy into Gordon at least a little bit? Yeah, I'm still fine with Gordon. So, like, the miscuts don't concern me. His underlying stats still look good. Yep. Um, 
one guy that does stand out to me, so Gordon, Gordon, I'm fine with. I've been playing him a lot, and I'll continue to play him. He's underpriced still, even though he hasn't performed and had, like, good finishes. The other guy, though, that I'm starting to jump on, which is a really ugly price this week, but I'm going to give it a shot, is uh, Davis Riley. So he has not particularly played well, and I don't think anyone will play him. I played him last week, and he played okay um, through the first round on the north course, I think. But there's some underlying stats that actually look pretty good. And I think at 7,800, this is an interesting golf course where you get one of these guys to come out of nowhere. Um, and again, like I said, there's some stats with our spectrum approach, weighted greens and regulation that look like he's going in the right direction. So I, I do like Davis Riley and GPPs. I do as well. He's a name that I'm, I'm going to talk about in just a minute as part of my make the cut uh, parlay bet that I really like. Because he was so popular last year. Yeah, he and, was. I mean, he's been playing, he's been playing pretty poorly, but we, like I said, our goal is to project, not just look at as even the last two the top 10. Right. Um, so it looks, it looks like there's a trend upward. Agreed. Um, going down the board a little bit, two guys at 7,300, uh, Grayson Sig and Justin Suh. Both of these guys, I, th- I think you and I talked about Grayson Sig last year at this golf course mm-hmm. uh, being just an absolute perfect fit. Uh, and Justin Sue is simmering. He can't quite get four rounds in. I'll say he gets two and a half, making every cut. Um, so what do you make of these two guys? Do you favor one or the other or maybe somebody else in this range? Definitely favor um, Sig. So I, I tend to just play Sig here. He has a pretty good record as far as the course fit. You know, he's not the longest guy, but his accuracy is good. Yep. It's a lot of greens. Um, and he's actually, I think I tweeted this out um, two years ago. In college, he won the uh, the Carmel Cup that's hosted here. So he does have some good vibes. So it might not be as good as Hovland with the U.S. Open, the USAM. Yep. It finishes. But um, I do think Sig is a great fit, and he actually has some success here, so he should feel comfortable. So I would lean Sig for that reason. Sue, I've been having a tough time peg. Like, I, I think he's super talented, but he just hasn't shown me a lot of upside consistency or even just consistency in general. Yeah, we haven't gotten into the top 25 yet. And and at some point, you know, I love I love following these guys and playing them, and sometimes they pay off. You know, obviously jumping on Morikawa early, that, that paid off. But at some point, yeah, I'm going to have to try, probably pull the plug. At, at least he's not killing me, though, given that he's open, pretty much made every single cut. He had a good start last week, right? Like, didn't he, didn't he open Thursday pretty good? I don't know if it was North Force, but I'm pretty sure I saw him playing well, and then it just it just kind of sputtered. So yeah, it struggled against struggled in the in the conditions, and then played okay over the weekend. I think he shot one under on Sunday or even par. So again, he was okay, and I think that's why I'm I'm kind of sticking with him because he's not necessarily hurting me. Is he winning me a, a large field GPP? No. Is he helping me get to the cash line? Yeah, probably. Um, and if you do play cash, I guess that's a situation where maybe you would want to look at him. Um, but now that we've pretty much mentioned all four of my guys, I want to tell you uh, this one. So, like I said, Sue's been making the cut uh, pretty regularly. We've got Alex Smalley, who's playing good golf. Davis Riley, who you just mentioned. And then Ben Griffin, who is priced a little bit above all these guys, who I think you're going to probably agree that you like this week. Maybe not in the DFS price, but... You can pair all four of those guys over on FanDuel to uh, make the cut. It's a 40 to 1 payout. Now, again, I know we need a lot to happen for guys to make the cut, but all these all these guys seem to be playing well, maybe except for Riley. Uh, so is that something that you'd want to join, or would you want to maybe go to a two leg or a three leg if you were going this route? No, I'm fine with that. Like I said, Riley, again, hasn't been playing well, but there's signs that pointing to him 
starting to play well. And I'd rather be early than late. Um, for a made cut, you know, for a parlay, maybe go somewhere else. Um, again, from a, it's two, kind of two different things. Sometimes you bet people and sometimes you play them at DFS depending on ownership. So, yeah. Um, I think, I think that's fine. Like, a four, a four legger. Maybe even adding in Grayson Sig instead of one of those other guys. Again, they're all around plus 110, 120 to make the cut. So, you know, a round robin out of four or five guys is, is something that certainly uh, I'll be doing this week, uh, getting involved with. Again, I think making the cut here is it's 156 golfers in the top 65 to make the ties, but at least you get three days. And typically over three days, the better golfers uh, will end up rising to the top. So, all right, now let's um, we'll end it off with just a couple of couple of DFS uh, talk, uh, discussing you know which way we want to go. You already mentioned Tom Hoagie, you think is great for a large field GPP. Let's say you're putting in your your one lineup this week, your main lineup. Who's the first guy you're starting with? Um, playing Spieth here has not really hurt you uh, for the last ten years. He's made the cut in each of them. Only finished outside the top 20, what, like once? It looks like his Augusta numbers, and he missed the cut at Augusta last year. So what uh, What do you make? Are you going to speed, or are you just going to go down to somebody else? Uh, it's really tough. I, I do like Hovland. Um, fits with only, I think, one start here last year, right? I don't. Yep. I can't remember if he played. So, yes, it's really between speed and Hovland. Um, with the pricing, I think, from a hand-building perspective, when you start scrolling down and you start to look at, like, who else could I start instead of, you know, who could I save money instead of start instead of Hollow or Spieth? Yeah. You're really not looking great. You no. got Kucher, McCarthy, Mitchell. It's like, no, nah, just pay up and try to get a value that gets through the cut line. Um, I will say, since you'll probably say Spieth, I'll just say Hollow. <laughs> okay, I might do both. Um, the only okay. problem is, is that that might take me out of the Maverick McNeely range, uh, which... I do think he could win soon. He hasn't put up the top stats that I'd like to see and say, yeah, I know it's he's playing in his backyard this week. We've seen him have big-time finishes here. I think 9600 is a really appropriate price. If I remember last year, he was cheaper, and he was very, very popular. And he finished, what, like T20 or T30, something like that. But I like his price, and I think I'm, I am going to play him when I don't play a Spieth Hovland lineup. Um, are you okay with Maverick, or would you rather play yeah. Justin Rose? No, I do like Maverick. Um, yeah, I'm fine with that. I, I kind of snubbed him last week, and he he got off to a pretty good start. I got lucky with the one and done with Tony Finau, but um, yeah, what it was a, down what to McNeely and Finau, and ended up um, going with Finau. And it looked pretty bad on Friday or Saturday. Um, Friday, I should say. Yeah, Friday, Saturday looked fantastic. Yeah. The um the, the Wednesday to. So oh, it's so, all you know what it's really yeah. messing me up. So, the third round, he had a fantastic round. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, so yes, I, I do like McNeely here. Um, the one, the one funny one though, I'll mention, and hopefully our uh, our FGB members are listening. The uh, I've heard a couple things on Seamus Power. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about Seamus. Yep. On um, coastal courses, and the stat that I was tossed to was uh, fifty percent of his top twenties have been on coastal courses, which. Which, in my mind, I think fifty uh, percent have not been on coastal courses. So. <laughs> <laughs> would uh, my question that's would be? That's a good stat, right? <laughs> aren't aren't like fifty percent of the courses, you know, at uh, probably on a coast at this point? I mean, maybe not fifty percent, but I mean, if you include in yeah. the, the stats over in Europe, it probably is. Right. Um, anyways, yeah, that's that's a funny one. That's what he said. Yeah. He yeah. Just, don't you like him? He's, he really does well on coastal courses. 50% have been top 20. So his inland courses, 50% are top 20s. That's great. 
<laughs> might actually be better for that stat, and then I can play him here for the other half of that stat. Um, beyond beyond the stats, he does he does look pretty good. He, he, does look good, he yes. did come out firing last year, but he was in he's in good form now. He was in great form last year, so I, I don't have a problem with him. But I I would rather go Speed Hovland or Hovland McNeely or Speed McNeely before I go to power. I think yeah, this it's week. just a tough price to get to. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a lot to be said. Like we've seen Graham McDowell play well here, and there's some Irish vibes, I guess, for the coastal scenery and stuff. Um, so it does it does make sense for power to play well here, but there are guys, you know, just going up to a Hotline or Fitzpatrick for not much more. Feel like the win equity, the ability for them to stay in for win equity over the weekend is is much higher. So that's kind of where I lean. And then, like I said, the Hobie one is a great GPP play. Yep. And I think I'm going to use that there. Maybe gets a little bit more ownership, so I probably just would go Hobie to be honest. Yep. I, I think I think that's a great call on Hobie going to him in the uh, you know in the twenty dollar this week and the, and the five dollar those huge contests you know forty thousand yeah. plus entries. I, I think that's a great call. Um, yeah. Want to want to talk to you about a guy that's coming back from injury? That's honestly. Exceeded my expectations given the injury that he had and the surgery he had. It's Lanto Griffin. We saw Kevin Chappell go through the exact same surgery. Obviously, he didn't come back as good because he's really never recovered. But Lanto Griffin looks like he's back to normal, I mean, so to speak. Again, only one or two tournaments, but 7,600? I got to be honest, I'm interested this week. Yeah, I think that's fine. It was kind of a wait and see last week. I had just not that eager to jump on people. Unless I was like MME. Especially a back injury. To a few. Yeah. Yeah, especially for a back injury. Um, but yeah, it, and it, <laughs> injuries for like golf aren't quite the same. Like guys are going to play. They're, they're feeling okay to swing it. Um, like it's very rare for like a Xander to just like, yeah, I'm going to stick it out and then withdraw. Um, NBA guys are testing ankles or football and then they get hurt again. It's like in golf – if he's playing, he's probably been playing for a couple weeks. He's probably fine. Yep. So yep. he did look good last week. He um, did. That was a long golf course, a tough golf course. Um, not a great Sunday, but no one really played well on Sunday. Yeah, he's a grinder. Yeah. Um, I think I think now's a good time at the price before it starts hopping back. Otherwise, you know, like if if we looked at him last summer in this field, he would have been close to nine k. Yeah, eighty. He'd be right there with Alex Smalley, definitely. Yep. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So uh, wanted to bring him up. I like it. All right, now we need to find somebody below 7K in case we want to get super aggressive like I tried to at this uh, event quite a bit. I know it gets thin. Uh, we've got the Ryder Cup captain from Europe there, Luke Donald. He did have a couple of good starts over the uh, over December in the European Tour, or DP World Tour, I should say. Um, a name that sticks out statistically because he's looked good around the green and on the green, and you got three days to play, so we want somebody who can make some putts is Tyson Alexander down at 6,600, just a name I, I pulled out from uh, the data. Uh, any names that have thought uh, or stuck out, sorry, stuck out to you under 7K this week, and Ted Potter does not count. <laughs> so the, a weird one, and I'm not sure why – why it's occurring, but um, Bryce Garnett's popped up a few times for me, and I can't yeah, I see like looking okay. deeper. Like the course history doesn't look good. Um, recent form is kind of spotty. Like last week was pretty bad, but it's not a good course. History. Is it the is it the weighted on the driving accuracy? Is he hit fair, a ton of fairways? Maybe or he does. He yeah, does okay. Not very long. Yeah, but um, I've seen him pop up on some projections as well. It's it's interesting. So I think Garnett at sixty five hundred. I'll probably throw into a few that's super cheap. Outside of that, there wasn't a ton of guys that just like popped out because like the normal cheap guys I'm going to recently, like this year, Kevin Yu, they're all over yeah. seven thousand. So Kevin Yu, Carl Yuan, yep. 
Yeah, so Garnett's the only cheap guy that kind of stood out. And again, it doesn't look great. It's not like a home run. Um, but that's also a good thing. He's not going to be like a chalky cheap guy. So the accuracy maybe plays a part here. That maybe he knows this is a course that he needs to do something because he hasn't been doing well these other, these other these other events, and he can't get into the elevated events without something good. So yep. uh, maybe there's some added motivation. Uh, just a couple more in this low 7K range because uh, it seems like we're both on track. It's it's a very tough below 7K. So a couple of names that stick out uh, uh, using the FGB mixed model. Uh, Matty Schmid coming in at 7,100. Uh, he ranks about 73%. That's pretty good. Ben Taylor, we've seen pop up a couple of times. He was actually part of my top five value video this week. He's had a couple of really good starts coming off of a couple of missed cuts. So either of those names, Taylor or Schmid, uh, stick out to you this week. Yeah, I think, Taylor, I think Taylor's fine. Schmid, I'm not uh, – I still can't – Can't get there? Well, I don't mind it, but it's just – it's not a golf course where length is a, a huge advantage. And Would you rather play Kevin Streelman then, I guess, at the same price? To be honest, I'll tell you a guy that I'm looking to play this week. Yeah. No one's going to be on is uh, Mr. Jimmy Walker. Oh, that was another guy I was going to ask you about. Yeah. Yeah, so Jimmy Walker's got great great course history. He's won here before. Has tons of top 10s or top 20s. Um, and if you look through his like recent form, it's been pretty bad. Yep. He's, he's got really good polo splits, which is a good thing. Last week, um, he gained around the green and putting, which isn't a terrible – losing off the tee and approach on that golf course because that's not really his thing. Yep. But I think having some good vibes here at 6,900, maybe like the Ted Potter out of nowhere win that no one expects. So Jimmy Walker's a guy that I'm actually going to play this week for sure. Yeah, interesting note uh, on Walker. A uh, couple of things that I read about him. Uh, first and foremost, it was his best finish you know, in over two years, I think, last week, which is mm-hmm. great. He battled uh, with Lyme disease, and, and it really just kind of affected his whole life. I mean, here's this guy who's a major champion, uh, you know, we, we soon forget. And he was going to be done with playing golf. And come to find out, he didn't even know about his career money exemption that he had. His son told him, you know, hey, Dad, why don't you give it one more try? And all of a sudden, here he is back on tour. He played great last week. He, this is a course where he doesn't have to hit it far. So, yeah, really interesting name, Jimmy Walker. Uh, definitely somebody to look forward to uh, look at this week. So, all right, uh, tomorrow is the lock. I think it's going to be probably around 11.30 or uh, 12, I would guess. It is going to be long rounds, about five hours. Uh, anything else you want to make note about the 18T Pebble before I uh, uh, plug what we've got going on next week for the Waste Management? Uh, I don't know. I was going to look at some trends and see, like, what kind of uh, handicaps the AM partners need to be at for the winner to come from. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you can get into the weeds pretty good this week. Uh, yeah, Josh Josh <laughs> Allen deciding to forego his responsibility uh, on for the NFL and play in the PGA. You got to love that. Yeah, I'm curious when these guys actually sign up. Like He's like, yeah, I'm going to play in that. And then make it to Super Bowl. I was like, well, I can't play or get to the divisional. And... Not as motivated. He wants to go play Pebble. But. Yeah, he's, I would choose playing Pebble over a flag football game, I think. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah, it's um, it's such a it's such a cool golf course, like the area. I wish they had video and, and cameras on the other two courses because I've heard Spyglass is, like, insane. Some of the views that you see over Pebble. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Greg, Greg Chalmers yeah. was tweeting out uh, from basically every hole, and it was really it was just cool to see because, like you said, we don't get the cameras on the other ones. Yeah, I've heard I've heard Spyglass has better views, and obviously, um, um, Pebble has some of the best views in the world. But I've heard Spyglass is kind of right up there, a well. gym because they don't get to see much of it. But yeah, it's just a fun course to watch, and it's unfortunate the pro am is is kind of 
you know, gives it a, a weaker field with the elevated event next week. Yeah, like Davis and, Thompson and withdrew. Sure. You know? <laughs> Wait, Davis Thompson withdrew this week just so he could play next week. That would have uh, never happened in the past, but here yeah, we are. No stinks, so. But it is what it is. I'm looking forward to it. I do like watching Pebble. You Me too. see it all the time. And uh, the major only shows up once every eight years or so, so. I do. I do like it as well. Okay. Well, next week we are for the elevated event. We are going to bust out our first live stream. It'll be through our YouTube. So join us for that. It's more than likely going to be on Wednesday. A great event though. That's going to be a lot of fun next week. Also, don't forget though, this week, it's the biggest uh, DFS slate of the year so far with no NFL going on. If you missed part of this and want to listen back, of course, it will be, I'm going to go in and, uh, Cut it up probably in about an hour. So if you do want to go back and listen to some of our beginning stuff, you'll be able to do that. So thanks for joining, everybody. Uh, Drew, uh, just give me the winner uh, to sign us off here. Hoagie, back-to-back. Hoagie, back-to-back. There you have it, folks. We'll see everybody next week for the Waste Management Phoenix Open. Good luck. See you on the other side. Cheers, everybody.